outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, bringing you the latest reports from the Whitetail Woods. And now, your hosts, Casey Smith and Tyler Jones. This is Rut Fresh Radio, powered by Vortex Optics. The rut has come and gone. Or has it? This week, we're talking hunters from all across the country who are either just now getting into their rut or are still seeing the telltale signs of some late rut action. This is Rut Fresh Radio, powered by Vortex Optics. I'm your host, KC Smith. Tyler Jones is here as well, and we have the illustrious Mark Kenyon on the <laughs> phone telling us all about his December plans here. Mark, how was Thanksgiving? Hey, hey, hey. Thanksgiving was great. Got Good. to uh, spend some time with the family, got to get in the woods a little bit. Um, it was everything you could ask for. Yeah. Good, man. Did you embrace gun season? Uh, sort of. Yeah. 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 I guess I would say I do embrace gun season. I, uh, you know, I, I leave some of my best spots alone, usually at the beginning of gun season so that they kind of become a sanctuary. But Mm -hmm. then once the pressure lays down, I I tend to sneak out for, uh, careful hunts. And, uh, and I've done that here recently. Yeah. Cool. Well, enough about deer hunting. Do y'all have Thanksgiving (laughs) noodles where you're from? (laughs) Thanksgiving noodles? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? it's, it's, not it's, not, it's not a thing. It's not a thing. <laughs> so I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> you've met Eric, right? Um, Eric, uh, he yeah. swears by Thanksgiving yeah. noodles, and it's literally cream of chicken soup with noodles in it, and it does not look very good. So, <laughs> isn't he from Illinois? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They acted like it was like a northern thing, you know. Like like everybody has. No. Y'all should know that, you know. Well, no, 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 no. I'm pleased. I'm pleased. To, what is the best Thanksgiving food in your opinion, Mark Kenyon? <clears throat> Like the single uh, dish of that's the best. Yeah, but but you know, make it actual Thanksgiving type stuff. Oh man, because uh, there's three things that form like the trifecta for me. Okay, and it's hard to that's separate the, from the three. But 
Well, the you trifecta have... can be a it's singularity, right? It's like the Trinity, okay. right? It's like it's one yeah. and it's three. So yeah, right. tell me what so, the three are. Speaking uh, speaking from the gospel here, the Trinity <laughs> of turkey stuffing and mashed potatoes is uh, just the the thing. I mean, I will eat that three food combo for days and days. Like I'll eat the main meal. And then I like to put them all in a sandwich. And then later I'll do like an open face sandwich. And then sometimes <laughs> I'll do like day four or five. I'll go back to the original, just regular dinner style. I mean, that is just the best. It's Those like Ross Geller, man. Just all about that Thanksgiving sandwich. <laughs> yep. Man, I, Ross, Ross is a good dude down, down deep. Yeah, man. <laughs> He's that. a scientist, you know. He's cool. Yeah. He's <laughs> like me. <laughs> so did you bring a Thanksgiving sandwich to the stand with you? No, uh, but I do eat them just before heading out. They're uh, a little messy. So they're they call not those, super packed. They call those sandwiches in case someone wonders. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. There's a t shirt in the making right there. are getting worse by the week. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It's getting, we're getting tired, man. It's yeah. getting, getting late in the season, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, what do you but, have uh, on the horizon here for the next week, Mark? Well, I got two things going on. Um, you know, there is still some of that late rutting action I've actually been seeing on some of my Michigan spots. Um, kind of kind of light. There's definitely that transition. So I've seen the transition of a lot of deer refocusing on food. So the good food sources that are just keying in right now, which has been for me some green food sources and like cut beans actually, has been lighting up. Like all of a sudden big groups of deer back on those food sources. So I've been heading out the last mm, couple times. I was out just before Thanksgiving for a hunt. And then just after I got back from the Thanksgiving holiday, I went out for another hunt and then also glassed a couple nights and saw one of the target bucks I've been after um, out in daylight, kind of pushing does around slash feeding. He's not like chasing like crazy, but he's still scent checking does. Mm-hmm. Um, so the action is is still on Michigan here and there where you can find these pockets of unpressured deer, which, which I found here. Um, and then, so I'm doing, I'm actually hunting that buck again tonight with my son. I've been trying to kill this deer with my son, um, which would be a, a pretty special thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's Michigan. And then I'm going to Ohio probably tomorrow. Their gun season just opened up uh, at the beginning of this week. So I'm going to go down there and throw a couple hunts at my properties down in that neck of the woods. And again, you know, hoping for maybe some late riding action or if nothing else, um, other gun hunters pushing stuff around and getting something into some of these sanctuary zones where I've got some really good cover that should provide security for a buck or two, I would hope. And uh, that's what I'll be pinning my hopes on. Are you seeing any um, freshly worked scrapes anywhere? Mm, I'm seeing them come back to scrapes. Yes. So definitely the scraping action went way down for the last probably three weeks on most of my cameras and places I'm walking around and stuff, but it seems to be picking back up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, sounds like you got an exciting week or so coming up. We're actually uh, trying to figure out how to see a deer while hunting in the next week. (laughs) We're kind of like, it's hard to call it that, but we're kind of in the lockdown portion of where we live. Uh, huh. It's not as pronounced because uh, there's always rutting activity, you know, kind of throughout the fall. Our, our rut just isn't as uh, peak, I guess you would say. You know, the bell cover doesn't go as high. But um, right. overall, our deer movement is down right now. We're also having an Indian summer right now, too. Tomorrow it's going to be 75, I just saw, which yeah. is – we had, we had really good weather in late November. But as we push into early December here – 
we uh, we have some kind of warm weather as well, so we're kind of dealing with that. But uh, either way, the hunt must go on, man. We have yeah. uh, some hunting to do. So uh, <laughs> this week we actually talked to guys from all over the country, right, Tyler? Yeah, we talked to actually right here in our uh, neck of the woods, Mr. Troy Waldron from Texas. Uh, we got Tony Treach on the phone to to uh, tell us what the deal is in Colorado. I know, Mark, you spent some time on him last year learning his ways. Sure did. Um, we got Garrett Prawl, who's been up in Minnesota, and old Ronnie Cuz Strickland from Mississippi giving us a report down there. So we got them from all over uh, the U.S., and I think some of these southern states are going to start having some good reports for us coming up as you see some of these ruts starting to phase in. In those weird states like Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, you know, those those Gulf Coast states. So pretty excited to see some bucks hitting the dirt from down there. And uh, I don't know, it kind of gives me hope for uh, some late season, you know, potential places that we might go mm-hmm. as well, too. So I love it. Yeah, man, I, I tell you what, I do like the late season. Like, of course, the rut's sexy and it's, it's fun. But the late season, if you have those spots, if you can find those spots where they're not where they haven't been harassed nonstop. It mm-hmm. can be really, really good. Yeah. Um, they become predictable. And if KC doesn't die in the next hour or two, <laughs> I think you guys could be in for some terrific hunts. Yeah. It literally yeah. came well, from hunting this morning. If he does, <laughs> yeah. if he does die, then I'll still be able to hunt yeah. late season. More for um, you, Tyler. Yeah. There's always, there's always a silver lining. I finally get the good spot, you know? So, uh, but no, I, I what a great buck truck, buck truck episode. We can actually, you know, incorporate the hearse and y'all can give me my final goodbye, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, <clears throat> before that oh, happens, man. you know, I definitely, <laughs> Hope to hope to get out and shoot some deer. The uh, <laughs> the uh, December is, has been a pretty good month for me overall throughout my <laughs> hunting time for sure. So I like it, man. If you like you you were saying this earlier, Mark, but if you can find a place that's just not super pressured or hasn't had the pressure for one reason or another, where it's private, public doesn't matter. Um, those deer can you know, they're going to always be interested even through the end of the year in a lot of places in a, in some sort of a hot dough if it, if it ends up being that that's the case in your area. And then there's always just the consistency of that, uh, you know, especially once it gets cold, that bed to feed. So it makes yeah. things patternable for analytic guys. It, it works really well, you know, so analytical guys. It so Anyway, it really does. And cool. then there's, there's this old product that like, I don't know, Hunter Specialties or something made like years and years ago. Uh, I think it was called like the cough catcher or something. You just, mm-hmm. whenever you get a cough, you, you just cough right in that thing and it eliminates the sound and it makes podcast episodes much more palatable. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> buy that for next time. You should have put that on your Christmas list yeah, on Instagram man. today, man. You might have to add that here in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, next time. <laughs> okay, well, we expect that you bring one of those down to Texas, you know, for Casey's Christmas present. There you go. Yeah. Nothing like uh, thinking you're blowing your grunt call and it's actually just not making any sound at all. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's get these guys on the phone. Thanks for joining us again this week, Mark, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you soon. Sounds good. All right. I'm talking to Tony Treach. A lot of guys know this dude. He's a hardcore hunter. I think it's appropriate to say that. He's a guy that gets after it as much as any working man out there does. Tony, what's been going on, man? Well, lots of hunting, yeah. uh, I'm, but I'm about done. So, yep, it's it's time to go back to the real life and actually make some money. Yeah. Do you, uh, so are you done until pretty much next fall? Well, I do still have a Colorado deer tag in my pocket because I didn't, I didn't find what I was looking for when I was there. Mm-hmm. 
So I might be going back if I can convince the wife uh, to let <laughs> me go for a week in December. Uh-huh. Uh, <clears throat> well. But that that's yet to be determined. Yeah, for sure. So Colorado, I didn't know if we'd have a guy to talk about Colorado whitetails this year. And we already had Heartland's, uh, Heartland Bowhunters, Mike Hunsucker on the podcast to talk about it. But I'm, I came across mm-hmm. the fact that you've been out there. I know you guys hunt quite differently most of the time. And so I wanted to get your perspective on this. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about what you're seeing this past week out there. So I was in the Eastern Plains and, uh, the rut was in full swing, uh, lots of bucks on uh, lockdown, which for me and the type of hunting that we're doing with decoys in the, in the Eastern Plains, uh, it was, you know, it's fantastic. Um, I would imagine that, you know, if you're sitting in a tree stand, it's probably not going to be what you want to be happening, uh, because there's going to be bucks. Maybe you've been patterning that are going to disappear and you're just all of a sudden going to be off the radar and they've got that doe, uh, you know, on lockdown somewhere up some goofy spot that maybe, you know, you're typically using because mm-hmm. uh because that's what he wants to do he wants to keep them all to himself mm-hmm. so for a tree stand hunter it might have been tough hunting um for us it was it was great minus the fact that uh i just couldn't find one that i wanted uh but that just has to do more with the area i'm hunting <clears throat> mm-hmm. there was uh there was a lot of activity uh i would say of probably subordinate bucks uh you know th- a lot of three-year-olds maybe occasional four-year-olds that just uh weren't the dominant buck in the area around the food sources there was uh it seems like if you could find you know the plains have been pretty darn dry this year mm-hmm. and both kansas and colorado were just drier than i've ever seen it and if you didn't have food uh boy it was pretty tough they were they were definitely you know congregated around areas the few areas that had standing crp grass um because a lot of people down there it was so dry they actually had to bale it up to feed their cattle otherwise cattle die and uh those few standing crp fields and those few uh semi-green alfalfa fields were just i mean they were hubs of activity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so would that be a situation where um you're hunting you know close to that ag but looking for those places and glassing the stuff that's like those little lockdown hidey holes yep yeah yeah no the, the hardest part for me was actually gaining permission uh to those fields they uh you know the, the areas that, it, that the deer were actually using uh we couldn't gain access to so every buck that we even considered you know mature and, and uh one that was when we wanted we couldn't we couldn't hunt but yeah if you had if you had access to uh, the few grassy areas, uh, the few areas that held enough, uh, you know, ton of brush to, to, to bet where they could bed, uh, in the plains there, man, you, you were having a good week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, let's talk a little bit about that decoy strategy that you use. Uh, I mm-hmm. think that a lot of people are intrigued by that. And I would really specifically like to talk about how you use the wind in those situations, because those yeah. mature bucks are so smart, even on lockdown, right? So how do you yep. approach a uh, buck in that situation? So like I always say, the number one rule when you're using the decoy is you just got to be able to see where they're bedding. Mm-hmm. And in the lockdown phase, that almost becomes easier in the plains because they do pick random spots. Maybe it's out in the middle of a cut cornfield or a cut milo field or along an open fence line that, you know, some guys would typically look at it and go, well, that might be a good spot to kick up a pheasant, but that's about it. Those are the spots where I'm finding embedded with their doe. Hopefully, you know, maybe if you don't see them at first, but you, you can pick them up after they're bedded. But once you got them in there and you got them bedded somewhere, as long as you have access, you know, around them, you know, so you can't, you're not limited to which direction you can come from. 
I do not like to come from downwind and that, you know, for a tree stand guy, that might just sound like craziness. You know, you want to <laughs> always put the wind directly in your favor, but you got to remember when they're bedded down, more than likely they're going to be facing downwind mm-hmm. where they can't smell their, their weaknesses, uh, the direction they can't smell. So I like to come in, in 90 to, you know, 45 degree angle from from upwind almost mm-hmm. um not you know a 90 degree if, if it's kind of swirling i'll, I'll put it in, if this this is all things being equal too uh and all this goes out the window if you've got let's say a terrain feature that you know say a small coolie or a draw something you can crawl up that, that gives you more concealment that where you can get into range if you have that use that but if you don't and everything else is equal i'll and, and it's you know in the plains you you typically have more consistent winds i'll i'll cheat that wind quite a bit to almost a 45 degree angle upwind of them Whereas the wind is almost blowing at them, but not quite. It's mm-hmm. just off the shoulder. They're facing almost dead away. And I can usually get in within range, get that decoy set up in the ground, you know, ideally not on my bow because it's always windy in the plains and get that thing on a stake in front of me and let it do its magic once he sees it. And that's, you know, that's how I killed my Kansas buck uh, just last week. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, that's a good advice. I, I love, uh, you can tell that like we're on a short scale, uh, you know, we're on a short podcast here and we're trying to hurry this information, but you've got so much to offer. We might have to get you back on our podcast at some point, but um, you know, sure. at, at in, in the next week, do you expect that lockdown phase to kind of continue and the success with that style of hunting to potentially be good or uh, are things going to change? You know, for a for a tree stand guy in 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 Colorado, if you're hunting the draws, uh, you know, I, I would start making a, a transition to to, to food. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're just you're gonna you're gonna start seeing less and less uh, does uh, in heat and less bucks uh, tending them and having them out in the lockdown. So it might uh, I'd, I'd say we're probably in a solid transition period because we're you know, if I, if I were to go back out there hunting, if I were to be able to get permission from the wife to go out there, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm going to be looking around the food. Yeah. Okay. So many permissions that you have to get to go hunting, man. It's crazy. Thanks for getting married at 45. Yeah. No doubt. Well, uh, last question, man, well, scale of one to 10, how, what do you predict buck movement to be like next week, Colorado? Boy, that's a tough one. I'd, I I would say not as it's getting you know it's not as good as it was this week, and not, not even as you know as good as it was last week. I I think you're you're gradually going down. Um, there'll still be a few does that might keep them keep them interested, and and who knows? You get one or two hot ones in the right spot, and all of a sudden, every buck in the area could be on that one doe. Mm-hmm. So if you don't find that one doe, you're probably looking at a four or five. Um, but if you can find that one last doe that is coming into the late estrus, um it might be literally on fire. Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, great information. Thank you for hopping on the phone with Tony and I'm sure we'll be talking to you You again soon. Sounds good. Now we've got Troy Waldron. He is a hunter in Texas right here in the Lone Star State. Troy, what's been going on, man? Oh, not much, man. It's been hunting hard. That's good. Every day I can get out. I've been getting out. Yeah, it's good, especially after the holiday, man, or during the holiday. I know a lot of guys struggle to balance that. Uh, Did you do a good job of that? Yeah. Yeah. So I got, I've got land that uh, is pretty accessible from my house. So yeah, it's not too hard to break away, even if I just have to leave for a couple hours and come back. So it didn't put a lot of burden on the family too much. That's cool. Well, I have seen a picture of you behind a public land stud and it just so happens you have on an element shirt, which is just the craziest thing. (laughs) (laughs) Congrats, man, on that great deer. 
I appreciate it, man. Yeah. So what were you doing uh, to uh, run across that guy? Uh, man, I mean, a lot of my tactic is scrapes. Yeah. So, like, I mean, even early season into late October, I'm in the timber trying to find, you know, scrapes that are pretty big or a cluster of them. So that's basically what I was doing uh, yesterday morning. And what I think he, in fact, was doing was uh, checking a scrape line, going from one bedding area to uh, to another one to the north, uh, because between those two bedding areas is also a big, long rub line. So this is a little bit thicker through that open field, and I think they like to stay in there. But that's that's what a lot of my tactic centers around is, is getting near uh, or close to scrapes. A lot of times that's where a lot of the deer are concentrated. There's trails that come together in those areas. So um, he came out right at first light and put a good shot on him. He ran about 70 yards. So. Yes, sir. Let's go, dude. So <laughs> yeah, I can't ask for anything more. So okay, so if you uh, you're hunting a scrape line, um, how's that deer working in regards to the wind? Is he working into it, or is he working across it, or what do you think? Well, yesterday morning he was working into it, so we had a north wind. It wasn't much; it was about a six mile an hour. But um, I mean, he he was not far. He did he, he didn't dive much further. I mean, he was in line with that scrape. Mm-hmm. So he hit his scrape, he walked past me, he was going to another one, and then I think he was going to work out the field. But yeah, he, he would have been working into the scrape from the direction he came from. Gotcha. So how are you able to uh, keep him from getting your wind? It was kind of off. Just I, was, uh, I was to the east of him, and he was working south to north with a north wind. So, you know, I, I now was right up where I set up. Uh, the, the thicker stuff was right where he was traveling along, and that's right where I shot him. So I got as close to that thicker stuff as I could get and, and get a shot. And he just happened to be walking there. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of luck, man. You know, I got to admit, it's not like I got them all figured out all the time. Yeah. What, uh, what's like a good comfortable range on Texas public that you're trying to get deer within? 10 yards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, he was at 35. I don't know. I actually shot another buck last year at about the same distance. I got to admit, I'm not all that comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. But at, at this point in the game, I mean, he it was a nice broad shot, you know, broad broadside shot. So, you know, I took it. My my, my bow's been shooting well, but yeah, if I could get a, if I had my choice, ten yards, fifteen yards, yeah, <laughs> it always you. feels better, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, going forward here, as we look kind of up at this upcoming week, I know a lot of the country kind of. Doesn't look forward to December, but in Texas, it's still usually a pretty good time to hunt. What do you think yeah. the deer are going to be doing uh, this first week of December? Um, so this is my theory, and I could be wrong, and other people may argue with me, but I run quite a bit of cameras, and in the last 10 days or so, they've been a lot less active, and a lot of my cameras are over scrapes, um, so, or in thicker areas like that I assume to be bedding. So because they've been a little bit quieter, I'm assuming that they've been in lockdown and they're going to probably, you know, the bell curve is going down. And my, my thought would be that bucks will start to break away from those and start searching more. It may not be as heavy as like, you know, peak rut or right before, but um, honestly, my tactic wouldn't change very much. I'm still going to try to be close to bedding. If there's known scrapes, you know, within those bedding areas or close by, I'm going to probably be set up Somewhere in there, depending on the wind and that specific spot, it would be you know dictating exactly what tree I chose to sit in. Cool. To sit in, so sounds like you got it going on, man. Congrats on the buck. Um, before you get out of here, scale of one to ten, what's the buck movement going to be like in Texas in the next week? Um, in my area, I'd say seven. 
I'm, I'm pretty optimistic it'd be pretty good. That's pretty good, Awesome, man. dude. I like yeah. it. Your area is kind of my seven. area, so I'm all about a seven right now. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> you got to have optimism, too. You know? yeah. yeah, absolutely, man. Well, hey, dude, thanks so much for the time, and congrats again on the great buck. Man, I appreciate you guys having me. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time, Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. And it's really simple. When you pour it into your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it do its job. Now, you probably know someone who's used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again because people everywhere rely on it to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. So help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Hey, everybody knows Weber Grills. I've been using Weber Grills my whole life, and check it out. They got a pellet grill, the Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. With a pellet grill, you can smoke, roast, and sear what I like to do on the same grill. You can go from low and slow, okay, on smoke boost mode, which gives you great smoke at 180 degrees, or crank this thing all the way to a heat sear at 600 degrees. It's got a full great sear zone, so you can put more food on the flame. This, this, this is my way of bull saying, if I was going to cook roast one way, that's how I like to do it, sear roast. Utilize the smoke boost setting to intensify that smoky flavor. Direct flame cooking creates searing, crisping, and browning. Food's going to look as good as it tastes. This grill gets hot in 15 minutes. Cleanup is easy. Cook confidently with intuitive digital controls at the grill and enjoy the sleek, easy-to-use surface. You can also add a heavy-duty rotisserie or rust-resistant griddle insert to up your game. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood pellet grill. I've got Garrett Prawl, the DIY sportsman here. He's been doing some hunting in Minnesota. Garrett, what's been happening, man? Oh, not too much. Thanks for having me on. Oh, yeah, man. You're welcome. Uh, you uh, actually 
got on a pretty nice buck there in Minnesota recently in the snow, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's uh it's been a not I would say a great season, but I definitely can't complain. Uh I had to shift plans a couple times but was able to to make some stuff happen, which was always good. Yeah, that's cool, man. So uh, is snow like a constant for you in Minnesota, like from late November on? It, will it be white for pretty much the rest of the season? No, not not at all. In the last couple of years, it's really hit and miss. I love having snow, mm-hmm. but I mean, there'd be times where you don't really get a lot of snow, say until January or even like February. By that time, the season's out, but it can make a huge difference in hunting strategy throughout the later part of November and into December for sure. So do you look at that from a tracking and sign standpoint or from a a deer behavior standpoint, which one is better? More from a sign standpoint for me. And you got to figure too, that other people are keying in on the same things that you can see. But Mm -hmm. if you don't have snow and it's still cold enough, a lot of the sign that you are seeing is, is probably old. It could be recent too, but it's just really tough to tell because the ground is too hard. Uh, for you to oftentimes really be able to see, yeah, was this, you know, last week or was this yesterday? It, it just becomes much more difficult to tell versus if you have snow, that becomes much more clear. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. So what kind of, what kind of things or signs or whatever have you been keying in on lately? Well, believe it or not, the buck that I shot last weekend was hitting a scrape line, which sounds really odd for late November, but it can't happen. Sure. And I would say generally more so than anything this time of year, I'm trying to key in on some of those really, you know, far off the, the common area, bedding areas, thickets, um, doesn't necessarily have to be far back in, but just someplace where the deer are not been pressured as much because all the States that I hunt, Minnesota, North Dakota, Wisconsin, I mean, they've, they've all now had several consecutive weeks of heavy gun pressure. And that's probably the biggest factor more so than rut activity, more so than, um, you know, feeding areas and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you sure. find that the pressure from the uh, the gun seasons actually can extend the rut? Uh, could you say, you know, like because deer are so molested that they don't uh, get all the does bred, so they come back into cycle? I think in some areas there's, there's definitely something to that. Mm-hmm. And I will say that even between Minnesota and Wisconsin, I do see differences in sometimes where I'll have, you know, bigger buck, bucks moving in daylight. In Minnesota, for instance, that Thanksgiving week can be really good. And I think that's because their gun season comes in right at the beginning of November and it gets pounded. Uh, But then some of the pressure starts to taper off and there's still seasons, but guys aren't hitting the woods as hard. And you'll get some of those those big deer cruising a little bit later in the month of November. Whereas that's the exact same time where Wisconsin's gun season comes in. And I don't see that nearly as much in Wisconsin. Sure. So that late red activity. So, you know, you you've kind of keyed in on some late rut activity here with the scrapes and that kind of thing. Now going forward in the next week, what will you change the the focus or would you change the focus if you're out there and what would that be on? I would say still focused around heavy cover. I mean, if you, if you find the rut sign popping up, I would definitely be on it um, because it, Always that first week of December, it, it doesn't seem like it's ever as strong as the first week of November in terms of daylight activity, but it seems like, man, every now and then you just have that, that real big one that daylights and it's like, maybe it was one of your cameras or one of your spots and it was like one deer, not several deer, but if you were in the woods at that time and you were hunting that one bedding area, maybe you have historical sign that you can, you can base that off of. Um, it's definitely worthwhile, but it's, it's not a a high odds type of a thing. Mm -hmm. You know, the moon kind of lines up well, some would say, 
for this first week of December where it's uh, going to be a new moon. Is that something you look at much, and would you consider that when it's time to go hunting? Not usually as much. I mean, certainly it's nice just from the standpoint that, you know, if you have the opposite, if you have a full moon mm-hmm. and you do have snow on the ground, I mean, it's like you can pretty much see clear as day all night long. Mm-hmm. Um, how much that matters or doesn't matter, I've not really been able to have uh, put together a solid, um, I guess, conclusion on that. I just kind of look at the GPS studies and, and they usually seem to say that it doesn't matter as much, but mm-hmm. I usually try and with my job, uh, just get out in the woods as much as possible and not let that factor in as much. I'd say weather would weather would usually get a bigger vote for me than moon. Yeah, that's uh, that's how it is for the working man, right? Like uh, you got to get in the woods anytime you can, but anytime you can have a confidence booster with that, it would be good. So you know, yeah. if the moon is is uh, favorable, then you then think about it. But if it's not, don't worry about it. <laughs> so right. Garrett, um, for this next week, uh, if you had to rank what you predict buck movement to be like on a scale of one to ten, what would you think it would be? Uh, I'd say, well, with 10 being as good as it could be, I'd say maybe like a a four or five. Okay. This time of year is always, it's always tough. Mm -hmm. Right. I would say, you know, first week of September is going to always rank higher. The rut is always going to rank higher, you know, last week, October, first couple of weeks of November. But as far as, as far as early December goes, I would say not bad. Um, But not bad for early December is in the Midwest with the gun season is not as good as some of those other times of year. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But Hey, you know, you got to uh, hunt the day you're given, right? So uh, we appreciate the uh, the report, man, and congrats on a great season up there. Yeah, appreciate it. All right, now on the phone, we've got Cuz Strickland. Everybody knows him from Aussie Oak. Cuz, what's been going on, man? Man, it's all good. You know, we've, we've had a, a couple of cold snaps. I tell people, uh, you know, we don't get a lot of winter way down here. I think it was on a Thursday last year, if I'm not mistaken, but we uh our winter was one day but we've had a couple of, <laughs> we uh we've had a couple of cold snaps and uh everything's good we got some moisture late so food plots came up way better than we were we were kicking rocks there for a while so it's it's all good right now that's good man yeah that's kind of the same for us i woke up this morning and um you know i don't have a garage my truck just sits out in the driveway and so um I thought, oh, I'll just, I was taking my daughter to school. I'll just, you know, hit the windshield wipers and be on my way. And it was actually, the water was frozen on my windshield. And that's a, that was kind of news to me. You know, I didn't know it was getting that cold at night. Uh, so it's, uh, it's good to be in the South this time of year though, man. That's a, that's one of those things that, uh, people maybe from the up North don't get is that we have beautiful weather this time of year, a lot of times. And it's a, it's a good thing. I, have you been seeing the same type of stuff? Yeah, you know, we've had a couple of heavy frost, and uh, you you get the false narrative that that runs all the snakes in. And <laughs> I checked it, I, I checked Instagram this morning. Some guy in Pontotoc, Mississippi, found a gigantic rattlesnake in one of his flower pots. I'm like, oop, they're not done yet. No. Everybody be careful. So, hey, you get them temps over 60 or 70, it don't matter how long it's been cold. You better watch out. So. That's right. That's hey, uh, the bad part. So you've been hunting in Mississippi a little bit. Let's talk about what you've been seeing. I know it sounds like you had a close call yesterday, maybe. Yeah, it was awesome. You know, I don't have a giant place, but uh, several cameras out. and I'm, I don't check them that often. I'm big on not encroaching in that area and trying to, because, you know, you leave some scent on the ground. It's just there for a long time. Anyway, I got uh, one deer that's, that's pretty regular. 
and even had some daylight pictures of him, which is pretty rare just because of the area I live in. And they did a straight dead west wind, and I took my middle grandson, Matt. That's Cranky's older brother. <laughs> Cranky, the li- Cranky, the little one, he's got like two big deer on his wall. Matt's been a good sport, so I'm kind of wanting him to shoot this one. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> it was an interesting thing. We we got there and saw deer immediately, and they disappeared, and it rocked on to 445. Then a five-point came out, and then a pretty nice seven-point, and this deer was behind them, which tells you three running together, we're still nowhere near our rut down here, mm-hmm. in my in my opinion. But anyway, the deer walked straight in toward us and then saw something over in the woods to the right and made a hard right, and he went out of my camera view. He was just wide open for Matt, and Matt's like, can I shoot him? I said, no, let's wait. He'll, he'll, he'll be there. He's not going anywhere. And whatever he was looking at snorted and everybody ran off. Oh, oh man, man. That 14 year old looked at me with him eyes wide open. Mm. Like, Oh, what just happened? I said, I couldn't see him with the camera. I didn't want to move, but anyway, it was cool. Cause that, like I said, it was three bucks together, not mm-hmm. giants. And then, uh, I got a text last night from a buddy of mine. David Allen, and he saw five bucks together yesterday on his lease, which is 20 miles from me. And his note, at the, he closed that said, our rut's nowhere near. And I was like, well, that's a good time to talk to you guys. <laughs> a, you know, you start, you look at Instagram and Facebook and all this stuff, you see these giant deer and people down here like, okay, we're ready. Well, it ain't going to happen down here. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Not, not, not this early. That's so. right. a little time yet. So, in your opinion there, you know, southern deer, some of my northern friends are going to be mad at us, but southern deer are a little different, right? You and I talked about this on uh, off air a while ago, but uh, in a situation like last night where you had that close call and that, uh, every, you know, the field, field cleared because something smelled or got weird, uh, yeah. how bad does that affect that buck that you were thinking about trying to shoot? Well, I, you never know. I've gotten, I've been on that farm for 19 years, and I can't tell you how many pictures, trail cam pictures, I got of like three-year-old deer that never, you never saw them again. They just, they're vampires. They're weird. They come out at night, and there's little to no pressure on my farm. So the least little thing, I think, uh, affects them. I, they're all individuals, but I'm, I, they ain't no secret that hunting bucks down here is way harder mm-hmm. than it is in the mid- in the Midwest. That's right, man. Opinion. Let them know, cuz. I, I, I used to film them all over, and it's just a different game. I don't know why. Lots of hunting pressure, uh, thicker terrain. Uh, you, you, the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I am very careful not to try to spook these deer. And, uh, cause they, I'm, I'm telling you, I've seen them disappear and not come back. Yeah. Yeah. So, cause let me know what you think, you know, is the next week going to be any better as far as getting into the rut or what do you think about that? <clears throat> well, it could be, you know, there's a fairly good mass crop down here. And when there, when there's a lot of ac- acorn, I'm going to say acorn because I know you got some Northern. Yeah. Good idea. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, when there's lots of acorns. You don't really see, you kind of get in the habit of hunting food pots. We've all done that. And the reason I do it, it's a great place to see deer. And I'm always, I always got a kid in tow with me. But, you know, as the acorns are depleted, 
you could see more deer in the food plots. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's when it, when it gets to December, uh, I think the first 10 days or so are always pretty slow on my place. And then the closer it gets to Christmas, the magic week at my house on my farm, since I moved there, it's always been Christmas. Uh, the three best deer we've ever killed on that farm, believe it or not, were all on December the 24th. Wow. And uh, two of them just kind of showed up. So uh, I, I don't have really high hopes until around the 15th of December. You know, that's when I started thinking, man, we we need to go. Yeah. We need to go. And and uh, just you got to make yourself wait for that right wind. And I got three or four spots that I, I can make a perfect approach and a perfect exit without bothering anything. Mm-hmm. And I kind of saved, saved those for that time of year. Okay. Well, that's good advice, man. I appreciate you. This is coming from a guy who has a lot of experience in the area. Uh, last question I got for you, because on a scale of 1 to 10, what's the buck movement going to be like next week? Uh, I'm going to say a 6. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, if we get a good west wind, I'm going back. I'll let that place rest. But I, 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 yeah, it's just a wild guess. I'd say a 6. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for the information. We'll be talking to you again soon. Thank you, guys. Appreciate the call. Sounds like it is still a great time of year to be in the woods. And if you need a little inspiration or you want to maybe rethink some of your tactics, you should go check out the most recent episode of the Element Podcast, episode 261, I believe, where we talk about how to take yourself out of the game to actually help you win the game. Also, Tony Peterson has a cool article over on Wired to Hunt about how to bow hunt during gun season. Yep, and, you know, Meat Eater Season 11 is out now. They're releasing episodes right now on Meat Eater's website, themeateater.com. I watched the Louisiana Spearfishing episode. It was really cool. It's very interesting to me. It's right down the road, and they're killing some cool fish and eating them and preparing them all different ways. Mm, I do love to eat them, man. That's why we do this thing. <laughs> so, uh, remember, keep it fresh. This is Rut Fresh. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.